just now, uh, whether it was a reading or uh, music or otherwise. Um, the title for this morning's uh, message is Longing for Face-to-Face. And I actually mean uh, two things by it. Uh, I don't know if you picked it up from those two verses that uh, were just read. But on the one hand, I mean uh, longing for face-to-face interactions with each other or um, more face-to-face interactions with each other. And on the other hand, I also mean um, longing to be face-to-face with God. Um, The first verse that was read was 1 Thessalonians 3.10 and translations vary a little bit, but some of them say that um, we pray earnestly that we may see your face. And uh, that's, all, that's Paul talking about how he longs to see the faces of the Thessalonian believers. And then there's also other passages in the Bible that talk about how our relationship with God is intended to be face-to-face. And so obviously this has a tie-in to uh, the pandemic days that we're in now, um, especially here in, the, in California and in the, in the Bay Area where we've um, been online for just about everything for over a year. And maybe for some of those uh, things that are online, we, uh, we might actually like it sometimes or like it in some ways. Um, but um, what I'm trying to do is to uh, help us to understand more about how God created us uh, for face-to-face relationships with one another and with him. And this is not to say that um, we need to like rush anything or, or that this isn't really complicated at, at work. I'm in plenty of meetings that talk about, you know, if and when we should open and how we should do it. And we're going to have an outdoor graduation next month. So to us, that's like a really big deal um, because we haven't had any in-person classes for um, kind of the third semester in a row. But we read in the news, right, that, um, and not just in the news, that some companies are having um, some of their employees slowly come back. You know, schools are somewhat hybrid in some cases, right? My, my daughter is in hybrid classes now. She's five. Um, but then on the other hand, there's some uh, companies like Twitter famously that are saying, hey, you guys can just, you know, their employees can, can uh, work remotely forever, like permanently. And so uh, for us as Christians, there's a, there's a lot of questions. <laughs> there's a lot of issues that come up. But what should we do as Christians? How should we think about it? How should we think about it as far as the church goes? And, and again, certainly we, um, you know, I'm not trying to tell anybody <laughs> when and how um, they should open and that kind of stuff, but rather to look in scripture together today um, and to give some broader reasons for why um, Christians in general, um, why we should encourage and value um, in-person gathering. Um, and so to keep it sort of in, in, in the, have it as sort of a, a goal or part of the bigger picture, um, as opposed to saying, well, maybe we should just um, keep everything online, you know, forever or something like that. So probably even for uh, maybe, I don't know, depending on who you are and how you think about this, you may feel about this differently. Um, but I'm not saying that uh, we shouldn't do stuff like this um, and use online and other tools. Um, to reach people, um, but rather that we, we really understand, okay, what's, what's the value of, of, of gathering in the first place? And what does, how has God created us and how does it relate to the gospel and these kinds of things? Uh, because I think if we don't look at the Bible for these kinds of questions, it's really hard to um, 
get beyond people's different opinions. Um, because, you know, if you're just to ask uh, a sampling of people, even us, as small of a group as this is, like 15 people, and just talk about only church, right? So we won't talk about school or work in that because it'll get even more complicated. You know, you'll have some people that say, well, uh, online is just like not the same, okay? And then they'll also say, then on the other hand, you'll say others like, well, I'm used to it now, <laughs> okay? So like, how do you, how do you like move forward? Do you take a vote between those who think it's not the same and so we should move away from it? Or, um, or what if there's more people that just say they're used to it and they, they like the convenience and they think this is the wave of the future or maybe even cheaper as a broader reach. And then you have other, maybe even thinking about how, whether in a particular church or a group can survive long-term in that way. So um, you guys still hear me? Yeah, it, it dropped off a, a little bit. Um, okay. Let's keep going, but uh, I'll, I'll kind of let you know if, uh, if we okay. lose you. Okay. Well, let me share um, my screen here. I've got some slides that will guide us through our time with a few photos um, in here for variety. But yeah, we're talking about longing for face-to-face. And so if we're going to look at some passages in the Bible that speak to this whole broader issue, we kind of have to start from, from the beginning, from creation itself. And the first is that the first point I want to share with you guys, probably something you already know, um, but God created human beings as physical and spiritual beings and as very good. Uh, one of the things that, uh, whether it's in a, a pandemic era or not, in a technological society that we're in either way, um, we can, it's very easy to neglect our bodies, to neglect the physical and to think, okay, well, you know, I don't really, what's the, does the physical have value? Um, but in the very first chapter of the Bible, after God creates uh, everything, including mankind, humanity, he says, he saw everything that he made and behold, it was very good. So what that means is that everything that God had created is good. And that includes the physical material world, which of course includes our, our bodies. Um, sometimes among uh, believers, uh, whether past or present, there can be a temptation um, to think that physical things, material things are inherently evil um, or bad or not important. And I think that Genesis 1 pretty much tells you, Genesis 1.31, that we shouldn't think of the physical world um, and our bodies um, as in that way. Um, God says that our bodies, um, our, uh, the physical world is good. And neither should we say that it's uh, not important. Um, it, it is important. Now, I'm, I'm not going to try to compare it to other things, um, but I think God created it. He says it's good. It has a purpose. It must have uh, its importance. Obviously for us as human beings, we have physical needs. So there's a lot of these physical needs. There's food, there's sleep, there's shelter, there's clothing, there's medicine, there's even more. I just listed a few um, as examples. But all this is going to tie into, uh, gonna eventually is going to relate to our need for relationships. This is something that we would probably all agree on. 
and it's so obvious, but um, it can be, it does relate to our physical bodies and to, and to our gathering and why churches have gathered throughout history. And so here's our second point here, and that is that our need for relationships, relationships with one another, um, also a restored relationship with God, our need for community, and our need for intimacy has a physical component. So I think we're, we may be really used to thinking of human beings, you and I, as needing friends, needing relationships, uh, needing close relationships, needing community, needing family. But we might not always think of our need for those relationships, these close relationships, as also having a physical aspect to them. And let me try to show you why that's the case um, by looking at different kinds of human relationships. Um, the easiest and most obvious place to start would be marriage. So I know that not all of us are, are married, um, but um, marriage is a very, um, it's, it's the closest human relationship that exists. And part of what it means to be married um, involves a physical aspect um, of marriage itself. So I'm talking about uh, man and wife uh, becoming uh, one physically in sexual union. Um, and so that's part of the teaching of the Bible about what marriage is and what distinguishes marriage from other relationships. There's a physical distinction uh, between the marriage relationship and others. And to corrupt that or twist that um, is, uh, is you, it causes great harm um, in addition to being described by the Bible as a sin. Uh, it can still be forgiven, of course, thank God. But in Genesis 2.18, for example, um, God says of Adam, who is alone, it's not good for him to be alone. And relatedly, later on in Ecclesiastes, it says, two are better than one because they have a good reward for their work. Now, it's not only the marriage relationship among human relationships that has a physical component. Um, our relationships with our friends, um, even people that you might not, maybe even acquaintances sometimes, people that you're not as close to, but they're somewhere in that uh, somewhere uh, not as close as a friend, but still a, an important relationship, there's a, still a physical component or aspect um, to that relationship. Um, it could be a, through a hug. It could be uh, through handshake. Um, you know, there's a famous book about the five love languages. And some of you might have heard of this concept before. And one of the love languages is touch. It's physical touch. Um, and... Uh, one of the effects of, of the pandemic, even though we have technology to help us, is that um, people do report uh, missing uh, physical contact with other people. Um, and they just, there's a sense in which we, we need it. Uh, this is especially true for, for young children and for babies. Uh, scientists will tell us things like, you know, you have to hold them. You have to, if you don't hold babies um, enough, they don't, they don't develop well. So there's a, there's a physical component um, to our need for relationships. Um, our need to be in, to have relationships and friendships and close friendships also includes a need that is physical as a part of those relationships. And even if you're not the kind of person that likes people to touch you, um, and there's probably some of us here, I might even count uh, like that to a certain extent, but even when there is no physical contact, uh, the physical presence of a family member or a friend is a significant blessing and comfort beyond that of FaceTime or Zoom call, a phone call, email, letter, uh, text, or whatever. It's not that we shouldn't use those things uh, 
we use them all the time and I can't plan to continue to do so. But truth be told, if someone is with me, if someone is with you physically in the same room, um, it feels different. Um, the blessing and comfort that you receive is greater. So at least, you know, one line on our Zoom call um, can testify or argue against uh, what I'm trying to say here because they've got uh, two people uh, right there. All right. But uh, this is uh, an excuse to show a picture of my family from yesterday, but it also relates to um, the, that example of holding small children or babies. So yesterday was pretty nice and it was also my birthday. And so uh, we were out in the morning uh, at Visona, um, not too far from Praia where some of you guys live too. And you can see the pond in the background. <clears throat> and uh, we're holding our kids, right? So I'm holding my daughter. Um, she's wearing her shades, her cap and her mask. And my son is a, um, he's hardcore uh, no mask. So it's like opposite ends of the spectrum. And there's my wife, who I think is also on the call now. But um, my kids need, them, need me to hold them. And I've learned to uh, enjoy it more and more because it's, it's good for me too. Uh, yes, it's tiring sometimes if I'm like busy or something like that, or they're heavy. Um, but that's part of our relationship. And it just makes me think, you know, even though I'm a lot older than them, I must have some kind of that need as well. It may not be as obvious or it may not even be as much, but the need is still there. And I think it's there for, uh, for all of us related to the way that God has created us. It's normal, it's okay. And uh, we shouldn't think that there's anything wrong with us if we long for that. Uh, let me go to the next slide. <clears throat> I've, I've included a couple quotes here uh, from a German pastor by the name of Dietrich Bonhoeffer. And um, the reason why I've included him is because he, some things from him is because he's talked about, he's thought about this before um, in an earlier era, like 70 years ago, uh, 80 years ago. But he was a, he was a German pastor who um, was, who did not agree with uh, Nazi Germany and other German churches and Christians that went along with Nazi Germany. And because of that, um, he and others who disagreed with uh, Nazi Germany, they were persecuted and it was very difficult for them to meet. Uh, they couldn't have regular church services without being very secretive. Sometimes they would get raided and that kind of thing. It's sort of similar to what you hear in persecuted countries today. But what he says is pretty, uh, it's classic actually. And it's also really profound when it comes to the value of gathering together, which again, uh, I'm hopefully setting out there is something we can continue to long for, even if we can't realize it uh, right away. So here's what he says. One of the things he says, he says, it's not simply to be taken for granted that the Christian has the privilege of living among other Christians. It is by the grace of God that a congregation is permitted to gather visibly in this world to share God's word and sacrament. He's talking about taking the communion. Uh, not all Christians receive this blessing imprisoned, the sick, the scattered lonely, and the pro proclaimers of the gospel in heathen lands stand alone. They know that visible fellowship is a blessing. That is being able to gather together in a visible way. You can see that they're gathering. Um, he continues, I couldn't fit it all on one slide. 
He says, the physical presence of other Christians is a source of incomparable joy and strength to the believer. The believer feels no shame as though he were still living too much in the flesh when he yearns for the physical presence of other Christians. The believer feels no shame as though he were still living too much in the flesh when he yearns for the physical presence of other Christians. Um, he goes on to support this with various uh, Bible verses, and there's a lot of them, but I just included a few of them on the next slide. They're related to the first two that were read at the very beginning of our message time. Um, Psalm 133.1, how good and pleasant it is when brothers, uh, is, is brothers dweling together in unity, sorry. Uh, 2 Timothy 1.4, this is Paul talking to Timothy. I long to see you so that I may be filled with joy. Paul's a very godly man, right? We treat him often as a, as a model for believers. And he says he longs to see Timothy so that he may be filled with joy. Uh, second John, this is the Apostle John this time. I hope to be with you and speak face to face so that our joy may be complete. So you have scripture itself um, voicing uh, the desires of famous Christians like Paul and John who want to be with other believers face to face. It's not that they didn't write letters, they did. So they still um, maintain the relationship um, when they're at a distance. They use the technology that they had 2000 years ago, but there's still something special and um, irreplaceable about, about being together. Interestingly, um, even our relationship with God is described in terms of physical presence. And even though God himself is not of, uh, he's a spirit and he doesn't have a physical form. So this first point, though God is spirit, our relationship with him is described in terms of physical presence. So in Exodus 33, verse 11, it says, the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. I'm sure we can all relate to uh, speaking to our friend. And it says that Moses's relationship with the Lord was like that. They would meet in a space together and they would speak like a person would speak to their own friend. I think our physicality and our need for relationships that have a physical aspect to them, it is involved and affirmed in the gospel itself. So in John 1.14, it says of Jesus that the word became flesh. Um, the word emphasizes the message that Jesus brings. Thankfully, um, the Bible doesn't say that the word went on Zoom. I think we can ask ourselves, uh, maybe even think together for a second, what difference does it make that the word became flesh? That is, that Jesus became a man um, rather than simply going on Zoom. You know, if he has a message, there's a lot of ways to give it. You know, he could still teach the parables like this, um, teach a whole bunch of other things. But um, what, what difference does it make? I'll pause for a second. If anyone wants to respond on, uh, on the chat or just by turning on your mic, um, what difference does it make that the word became flesh, that Jesus became a man? We could relate better to the word interact with yes. him. Yes. Yes. We could relate better to him. 
Um, and again, that has the whole, to say relate better, that, that has to do with relationship again, right? It's not like just uh, the son of God kind of beaming a message from heaven without coming to be here with us, without becoming a man. Um, he, he identified with us. Uh, he experienced what, he, what we experienced. And as far as salvation itself, he can't die on the cross as a man in the physical, in his physical body if he never became a man in the first place. Um, his body could not have been raised from the dead to give us the same hope that our bodies would be raised from the dead if he didn't come first um, as a man. When we think back on Jesus' life and ministry, he, he often uses physical touch to communicate love. Uh, he often healed with a touch. Now, he didn't have to, right? So sometimes he would do it from a distance to show his power and that he wasn't really dependent on touching somebody in sort of a magical way. But he often healed with a touch. Uh, famously, he healed a leper with a touch before. And even though the Bible doesn't record it, I think we would all um, understand the significance from the leper's perspective that Jesus touched him. A leper was an untouchable person. You touch him, you could get leprosy. And the leprosy is a disease of the skin. It's infectious, highly contagious. But Jesus touched him and he touched uh, many others as well um, when he healed them and, and just at other times as well. And so what we see in Jesus becoming man is that um, the love that he showed us, it was not always, it was not necessarily convenient. It was not necessarily able to be mass produced. It was personal rather than impersonal. And it certainly wasn't cheap. And so when we think about, I'm really grateful for technology, otherwise we wouldn't be doing this right now, but technology can bring with it certain temptations um, to think about convenience primarily or even only. But um, love is not, doesn't think that way. If love thought mostly about convenience and about stuff that could be easily mass produced, it wouldn't be love anymore. That's what, that's what makes love what it is. And uh, that's what makes God's love for us so real in the person of Jesus and becoming man and dying on the cross for us. And so I, what I'm doing now is also bringing in uh, the reality of love to this whole uh, thought process, how we think about uh, at least our own, why, why churches meet and why churches hopefully will um, restart and be able to meet safely and wisely in the future. I think that um, it, it relates to love as well. We can think about this together also. Let's think about love and, and distance, right? Can you love someone when you're at a distance from them? Uh, absolutely, right? If you've uh, lived or currently live far away from loved ones, whether they be family or friends, or maybe even if you've had family or friends pass away, uh, you know that your love for them, even though you're, even despite distance, is real. So love can and certainly does exist at a distance. But the fullest expression of love, for you to express your love as fully as you're able to that person, and for that person to experience your love as fully as possible, requires you to be there.
It's not that you can't express it at all. It's just, it doesn't have as much effect as it would if you were actually there with them. It requires physical presence and nearness. This is the love that we have received through the son of God, Jesus becoming a man, living among us, dying on the cross, rising from the dead and giving us the spirit to continue to be with us. This is how it all ties into the gospel ultimately. And so um, this is the same love that God calls upon us in the Bible to share with each other and to testify of to those who've never experienced it before. And we should certainly use as many different ways as we can to do this, right? To love one another and to share this love with other people. But the most authentic that is true to God's own love and true to the nature of love itself and consistently effective ways will wisely involve our own physical presence and nearness as much as possible. Um, and so uh, tying back to our title today for this message, when we long uh, to be face to face, face to face with one another and with God, this is normal and healthy. And I don't think we need to make it our goal to not want it anymore. Uh, that's not the way that God has created us. Our longing to be face to face with one another comes from God, how God created us as physical beings who need meaningful relationships that include physical presence and nearness. But even more, our greatest need is a restored relationship with God that is also face to face. This is the Christian hope that one day we will see him face to face and live together with one another under his rule in loving unity in the kingdom of God. So we give thanks to God for the way that he created us and the way he meets our needs in the gospel and through Jesus Christ. And as he gives us the opportunity um, and as things develop in the future, we can consider wisely how we can um, promote greater sharing of God's love with one another um, and with those who uh, don't know his love yet. Sin has ruined these relationships and pandemics can make it even worse. But the good news is that in Christ, our sin can be forgiven and our relationships with God and one another can be restored and enjoyed uh, to the fullest. So let's close in prayer as we transition. Father, thank you for your word. We thank you for your love that came down to earth in the person of Jesus Christ. If he hadn't come down, it would be much more difficult for us to understand and to believe that you love us. But because he has come down, we know and are confident of your love for us. Because he not only came to become a man and to live among us and to be with us and to understand us, but he died on a cross for our sins to take our place so that we might be reconciled to you. Thank you that we have hope for our imperfect bodies that they will be raised to perfection and immortality just as Christ was. And so give us wisdom and strength to testify to this love and to share it with one another as you give us the opportunity. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, uh, let's not do it for any person.